The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode four of season four of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factory Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week, I'm handing over the interview duties to my good friend, Tom Went, and he is talking to his friend, Mike Melito. Mike Melito is a Rochester, New York-based drummer, and he currently teaches at the prestigious Eastman School of Music. So I'm going to hand it over to Tom and enjoy the show. Hey, folks. Thomas went back again, guest hosting another Drum Candy podcast. Such a pleasure to be here. And today I have the pleasure of spending some time with my very good friend, the wonderful Mr. Mike Melito from Rochester, New York. Mike is a fantastic player who's been on the scene there for years. And he is also an incredibly dedicated teacher. I'm looking forward to talking with him today. So let's get started. All right. So we uh, we are welcoming the fantastic Mike Melito to the Drum Candy Podcast. Mike, thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So um, I I thought we could we we could start and talk about kind of how you came to the drums and came to jazz music because you're from Rochester, New York, and you, you are part of, uh, you know, a, a pretty amazing legacy of jazz musicians from the upstate New York area. I think a lot of people aren't really aware that there's, there's a lot of great players from that area. And there's still a lot of great players like you that are there and, and you're part of that, that, that great legacy. So could we maybe start with, how did you come to play the drums and how did you come to, to jazz music? Pretty well, I, I came from the, to the drums pretty much through my, my older brother, Tom, who's a drummer. Uh, and you know, he pretty much got me started into everything, you know, wow. and, and it, but, but I will say, I have to say this, I grew up in a very musical family. So my father loved jazz, you know, so it was always playing in my house when I was a kid. So uh, when I was, you know, just would listen to stuff, it would be like he'd have Art Blakey on and wow. and I'd be attracted to Blakey. And, you know, and then, you know, at first it didn't hit me as hard as it did later because I was, you know, really super, super young, you know. Okay. But I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool, you know, because all my friends were listening to like, you know, whatever at the time, you know. Yeah. So. You know, but um, but so then I started uh, to get more and more into it. And when I was about like probably I've been playing since I've been maybe I don't know. It's debatable <laughs> It's <laughs> around four, maybe wow. before I started, like just behind the, you know, not see But my brother, uh, Tom, really pretty much said, you know, he was going to make me a drummer. I'll never forget. He says he told my mom I'm going to make him a drummer. So he kind of <laughs> took me under his wing, you know, and he. uh Wow. Um, so he helped me with a lot, man, with er- just about everything. I mean, mm. with playing. So he was, you know, he's got, he's 10 years older than I am. So, you know, he was, he was actually, w- when I really started, he was already playing gigs when he was in his teens. And, you know, so he, uh, uh, so between him and my father and my, my, I have another, a, another brother, Chris, who's a trumpet player, you know. And so Chris plays is really into jazz, and he's a really, really good classical trumpet player too. So between all those three guys, you know, uh, and my sister was was actually non musical, which is <laughs> wow. Know, 
But uh, between my, uh, my those three guys, they kind of brought me to the drums and to jazz, you know. So mm-hmm. my brother would let me sit in on play his drums, you know, early on. There's there's pictures of when I was just a little tyke holding sticks, you know, <laughs> you know, and trying to get into the, you know, hey, hit that. What's this? what's this? This is a ride symbol. Okay, you know, <laughs> you know. Wow, so, man. Yeah, I was lucky. That's that's really great. So, you know, as, as far as your earliest memories of practicing and working on things with your brother, what are some of the things that, that, that you remember him showing you first and some of the things that you remember him, you know, having you work on? You know, a lot of it was pretty much uh, trying to learn to read, read um, and uh, holding the sticks the right way. Because I used okay. to hold the sticks. I remember I played traditional grip. I used to hold them like this, you know, back, like, you know, lefty. Backwards, I, yeah. I, lefty, what yeah. I would, yeah, what I would do is I would, he would always, I'd watch him practice a lot. So I, we had, in our house, we had these stairs that went down like this, and the drums were straight ahead. And so I would just sit there and just watch him, you know, and just, you know, try wow. to absorb what I could. And then he would have me come over sometimes and say, okay, now I want you to do this. You know, I want you to play. Okay. Don't play like this. You know, I want you to use your wrist and, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it took a long time, as you know, playing this instrument to try to get your, I'm still working at it. Yeah, you know? Likewise. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so, but you know, those are the, the things he kind of got me into were like reading and rudiments and then trying to really just, developed just some a little coordination on the drums you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. now did you did you end up studying with with someone else as you got older into your teens i did i ended up studying with uh this great uh teacher i had here named john mcneil who john played in our local orchestra you know okay so i, st- I started lessons with him when i was in fifth grade and i went to 11th grade wow. and i wanted to go more but he, he, he cut me off. You know? <laughs> he cut you off. <laughs> I go, John, man, more, please. Come on, I got some, you know. And he, yeah. just, he said, no, nah, I, th- I think it's, you know, you're, you're good, you know, for wow. that, you know, don't, you know. So, uh, but we went through like the Wilcoxon book and we we went through all the Wilcoxon. And then we went through the Sarone book and oh, yeah. well, a lot of the books, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a lot of coordination stuff he got me into. Interesting. What yeah. what what kind of coordination stuff? I'm just curious. Like, you know, do you remember like certain exercises or certain things? You know that he showed you. Well, you know, the th- one thing he was he kind of got me into was those Joe Rothman books. You know, the ones yeah. that go like with the bone. You know, between the sixteenth notes, between the yep. hi hat, the the limb, you know, all the limbs. So he he got me into that and the Chapin book. Okay, he got, yeah. He got me into the Chapin book when I was about fourteen or fifteen. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. So as far as, you know, your first experiences uh, playing music, what what were some of those? Well, you know, my father, uh, like I said uh, before, was a trumpet player, you know. Um, So I don't think I actually said that before. But anyways, uh, (laughs) uh, so, you know, he was a trumpet player. And so he would get me out like on some of he'd play these wedding gigs sometimes. Uh-huh. So a lot, actually. And so he would bring me out when I was about 15 and start letting me play, you know. And uh, sometimes my drum teacher was a drummer on the gig. So oh, wow. it was so, you know, he would just let that was a 
great experience to play, not only just with my dad, because he's my dad, but, and he knew so much about the music, but, you know, we would play like, we weren't playing really hardcore jazz or nothing. It was wedding stuff, you know, just little tunes and commercial gigs. And he sure. would, you know, he would always tell me, and, and some of the, the guys he hired were really great jazz players. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they would always say, you know, when you're playing for dancers, you know, you got you can't play Philly Joe, you know, you can't go, you know, trying to not to say that I could really do that a lot, but I was really into that, you know. Sure. So they said, man, you got to keep it simple and keep it keep it swinging and just play. Don't play too much, you know. Yeah, play, yeah. You know, and just play, make play for the dance, you know. It's it's really some of the. I think some of the best training for, for musicians, no matter what style you end up playing, you know, playing for dancers is really, it's a unique experience. I think it's really important because it, I think, I think it helps connect you with the physicality of music in a way. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that was huge. That's why I mentioned that uh, before anything. Cause you know, I, I, I thank my father a number of times for letting me sit in and, you know, let me play. And, you know, yeah. then he started to hire me when I was about uh, 16, maybe 16, you know, and, but, but, you know, like he, he maybe learned like a merengue and he, you know, all kinds of stuff. He, he, he wanted me to be sure I was up on and, sure. you know, and, and he said, you know, he goes, you got to remember, it's not, a, it's not a hard bebop gig, you know, it's, <laughs> it's uh but you know, the thing is what I learned from that and brought that really, you know, as I'm talking here, really helped me uh, realize was that, you know, jazz really was played for dancers, you know. I mean, Absolutely. You know, and so you listen to all those great records that we have and the videos that we have now, and they're playing, you know, some of the most yep. swinging music is is for, it's, you know, you're making it feel good. Absolutely. So you could, anything that makes you feel good, you're going to want to dance, you know? No, absolutely. And it's, it, I, I remember the first time I had an, an, an elder tell me that, oh, yeah, we used to d- dance to Charlie Parker records. We used to dance to Blue Note records. And it makes right. sense because those records feel so great, you know, so it makes all the sense in the world. You're right. If it feels good, you can dance to it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, so, you know, I remember from there, I, I, uh, I got a, a Joe Locke, the vibes player, and my brother Tom were really good friends because they both lived in Rochester at the same time. So they played a lot together and they were really close at the time. So Joe would come over to the house like a lot. So, and he tried to get me to play and I'd be afraid, you know, sometimes, <laughs> man, I would play, but he'd say, okay, now you, you got to come out to, so, and I'm still like 15, 16 years old. He goes, all right, I want you to come out to this jam session. And, and I remember he goes, and I want you to sit in. He goes, it's the only way you're really going to get, to get, and I said, man, I'm not good enough to do that. I can't. <laughs> that? What are you crazy? You know, I'm like a 16 year old kid. You guys are like, you know, in your 20s. You know, <laughs> so, so they, they, uh, they, they made me try to get get me out there playing. They said, look, you know, and they made me realize. I said, the only way you're going to grow is you can't be afraid to mistake the mistakes. He goes, the only way, man, if you, if there's the no, there's, there's really nothing to. Uh, to worry about here yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and they said you be- wouldn't believe who comes to these jazz i mean they're horrible these guys are <laughs> they're like they play terrible yeah. so you know there's nothing to worry about so <laughs> that inspiration uh really helped me because joe hired actually joe lock i think hired me for my very first jazz gig when i was 16 17 wow um, 
Yeah, and he was in town. So he was I I played my first jazz gig with. So the great Joe Romano, who became like one of my my musical mentors, the great saxophone player. He used to play with Woody and Buddy, and you know. So he was in the he was actually on the those all these gigs at this club. They used to have a uh, four night a week gig here um, when those existed. They're five nights, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Um, you know, uh, Joe was in the house, but he couldn't, uh, he actually couldn't, obviously he couldn't be there at the time because I remember he had like a show he was playing. Mm. He paid like some gun money. So, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, I remember he was there and this great saxophone player, Ned Otter. I don't know if you ever heard of Ned Otter. Yes. You know, Ned? Yeah. Yeah. Ned was playing. So, wow. um, so Ned was playing, you know, so I was like, oh man, okay. You know, so I remember we played Autumn Leaves. It was the first thing we played. And I remember Joe goes, okay, we're going to go, but uh, da, da, uh, uh, but uh, da, da. And so I'm like, okay, what happens after that? You know, <laughs> so I knew the tune, but, yeah. but you know, it's like, so I, I played it and, you know, I was terrified at first, but man, the, after the first tune, I just started, I was like, I had so much fun and I just forgot all my fears. Wow. I just wanted to play all night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Joe was in the house and he, he, I guess he liked what he heard and what he did was he, he uh, says, man, I think I have some gigs for you coming up. He goes, I'm going to be calling you. And I said, oh, wow, okay. So I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know, so lo and behold, man, two weeks later, you know, he's called me for uh, three nights, like at this club. And I could only, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was so young at the time. My, my parents didn't want me playing Thursday. So I had school in the morning, you know, yeah. they said, man, you can't play till one in the morning and go to school, you know, on Thursday. <laughs> So I did Friday and Saturdays for a couple months, you know, and then uh, he got somebody else to do the the Thursday nights. And uh, so I'll, I'll, that was huge for me, you know, wow. because I, I learned a lot of the tunes uh, and I, I learned a lot. I made a lot of, you know, obviously really, really young. So I was overplaying a little bit and I was kind of just wasn't sure why I was in the form sometimes. And, you know, it was, but, those guys were very patient with me and uh and I made it made sure that I I made a list of tunes I didn't know and I, I said okay I gotta go home and learn this so I would go and I try to the next day I'd find that tune and I'd learn it man like it, and I'd be sure because next time and I would tell them next time I'm gonna be it's gonna be better I'm you know they saw this hunger in me you know yeah. as a kid yeah so and another guy I have to say I started to play with was Bill Dobbins, a piano player. Oh man, uh, yeah. So Bill was here, and I I played started playing with Bill when I was really around that time, that same time. Uh, so I played. He hired me for some gigs, and the same thing. He called a whole bu- different bunch of trio tunes, you know. And so I said, "Man, I don't know this one. I gotta, uh, I gotta learn this." Wow. You know. Yeah. So I would write it. I said, "Okay," and I said, "Okay," and you know. And and it was it was it was just great, you know. I'm very grateful to all those guys because they were patient with me and they didn't scream at me, they didn't yell at me, they encouraged me. Yeah. And I think they saw that I was so hungry for it that yeah. you know that yeah. I it's, needed it. Yeah, absolutely. It, that that's such an important part of of and I think any musician's development is when you're young and you get a certain amount of stuff together, but you need that experience. You need that, 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 that time to screw up, to make the right. mistakes and to, 
see what that feels like and to what you know, what does it feel like when things are great like you got to learn all of that you know and that that that's that's such an important thing i had no idea that joe Locke figured so prominently into your career that's that's really cool man <laughs> he did you know he did it's funny because i just played with him like uh really uh, yeah like two weeks ago three weeks yeah we played a gig up in utica like nice in, you know you and so we played a gig and I was telling him about the story, man, because he used to come over and go swimming in my swimming pool. I go, man, I remember you used to try to drown me in my pool, you know, kidding. You know, he used to kind of put my hand Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. you know, so it was kind of, it was great to play. We had a ball, you know. So. That's wonderful, man. So, so let's, let's, let's kind of keep going in your chronology from, from here. What, what, uh, how did things progress for you right after high school? What happened then? Well, after, you know, I didn't go to college for music, you know, yeah. so that was my college. So I, Absolutely. I pretty much, what I ended up doing was I, I said, you know, I, I had a plan. My plan was really to, to get good enough to teach, you know, just teach privately, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, and I had great teachers, so I had a really good, and I'd always ask questions in the beginning, like, my, is this, I'm doing this, you know, yep, you're cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're all right, man. Just do it. And you're going to learn a lot from the, you know, same thing. So I had, my plan was really not to move to New York. My plan was to stay here, you know, because I figured, you know, um, there were some great players here. Uh, and I, you know, so I just figured if I can stay here and teach, I can make a decent living and I have to worry about, um, you know, all these expensive rents and, you know, not only that too, but my mom at the time she died when I was eighteen, nineteen. So oh, wow. she had she had lung cancer. So I was kind of really torn up by that. So yeah. I, there was no way I could move anywhere. At I hear that you. Time, to be honest with you, so I just said I'm just going to concentrate on to do what I have to do to get me to the point where I can teach and play. And I just started to then I just started to actually lead some of my own groups. Oh wow! In the nineties around town and freelance and um i started to go actually the great jr montrose the saxophone player you know play with kenny dorm absolutely and, uh and sal amico who was an amazing trumpet player yeah uh it, they lived up in U utica you know so they so i would take my good friend jimmy johns was their regular drummer was a great drummer he's still in syracuse so um jimmy would have uh Sometimes he couldn't make gigs, you know, so he keep make you want to be into coming up, you know, I go, oh, sure, you know, so I went up and started playing with those guys, you know, wow. and so I subbed a lot for Jimmy and, uh, and, J uh, and JR, you know, I was, he knew I was really into Philly Joe and Blakey and Pluke and, and he, you know, of course played with those guys so many times, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you and, brought uh, his name up. I wanted to ask you about him. Yeah. So, you know, and JR was just, he was funny. At first, he was like a real one on one guy. He really wouldn't say much to you. You know, okay. I remember the first gig I played with him, he hardly said two words to me. So I'm thinking, oh, man, this guy hates me. Yeah. yeah I, okay. I guess I'm, I'm, you know, all right. Well, it's okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. You know, so, yeah. and then, you know, I started playing with him more and more and we started to talk more because he knew I love Philly Joe, you know. Mm -hmm. He goes, um, and so he just told me uh, that, you know, he and Joe were really tight and, uh, you know, and um, and and he, he always, you know how Philly Joe does that backwards roll, you know, he, he goes, so man, can you do that? I go, no, I don't, man, I'm like, a, 
I can't go. I can't <laughs> not him. I mean, you're you're asking me to play like my hero who you played with. Why would right. you want me to do it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he was just trying to test me. So Jimmy and I figured out, well, I think it's three, you know, it's like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And right. so which it really was, because there is some debate that uh that there it wasn't, but it's it de- it definitely was. A, I, I saw Vinny Ruggiero, I think, wrote it out, and it's tr- it's three. It's not two. Yeah, I figured it was three. I never saw it written out, but just just watching his physical motion, it 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 kind of looked and sounded a little bit like three to me. That's really amazing, though. So yeah. so so you played a fair amount with Jr. Then. Yeah, I did. I yeah, did. wow. You know, but Jr. was funny because you know when you played with him, he didn't like brushes like. Really? He hated it. When you had to play a ballad, it had to be sticks. Really? No matter what tempo. So it's ding, ding, good, ding. I mean, it was wow. not even, sometimes it's slower. And so you're sure. trying to play, it's almost like you're trying to play a little elveny thing to fill it out, you know? The wow. Triple, got, yeah. Bull, bull. Trying to get things so it doesn't feel so rigid and stiff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because with the brushes, you can get away with getting some things, you know, moving sure. around a little bit. So. That was a challenge. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I said, "Wow!" But it was a good thing to do because you know it puts you in. I keep it gets you out of your box. You know, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And when it gets you out of your box, you're gonna you grow. You know, I think you know. So, so um, you know, but he had a really great time. You know, but I remember Jr. I think he got in a car accident. Oh like, wow! Uh, in the late seventies, I believe he did. You know, I shouldn't probably be saying this, but but because uh, I'm not, I'm I'm, a, I'm about ninety percent sure he did because he had his teeth came out or got oh wow got bashed in, so he had the he really couldn't play tempos towards the end. Like I would always ask him, is I remember is like a uh, I I remember this is I remember playing with him one night in this club in Utica, and he and I he goes, what do you want? What do you want to play? I go, man, can we play something like? here because we're here like down here all night man can we can we kind of come up come up man yeah. you know so i was like kind of flexing my muscles that when i shouldn't have and so <laughs> and so he goes i can't go mike i can't go too swift man i can't i said well, come well. on man you can do that's all right this isn't too swift you know and so you know he goes no you know and so he would always usually play i remember you he loved to play that theme for ernie and oh, wow. sticks wow um you know, I, I remember some of the tunes you used to really love to call, like Giant Steps in Three. Oh, yeah. You like to play that. Um, and that was right around the time when he did that this duo record with Tommy Flanagan called A Little Pleasure on Uptown, I think. And uh, so, you know, I'm thinking, man, this guy, you know, this like, you know, I really was getting into his playing because I had when I would go up to actually play with him, I would put on his Blue Note. You know, he's got a Blue Note record with, you know, I know you know it, but it's sure. the one with Ira, Coleman, uh, Ira Sullivan. Yeah, uh, Horace. Horace Silver, Wilbur, and yep. Philly Joe. And he handpicked that band. Alfred, okay. I think it was Alfred Lyon that said, you can, you handpicked the band, you know. And I remember listening to that, and I would ask him questions about it. He goes, and he goes, you know, he goes, and he, he told me, he goes, I bet you, you never heard Horace Silver swing like that. I'll never forget that. Because you never heard him swing like that, you know. Wow, that's he, funny. That's you know, great. he goes, man, he had Philly Joe behind. You ain't going to, you know, Philly, you never, you know. And it was like, it's not like he loved Horace, obviously, because he wouldn't have had him on the date. But he just had this thing. He goes, man, Philly Joe, or Philly Joe had an effect on Horace, you know, that, you wow. know. And it was, and it, yeah, it did. It was different. But 
Um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to listen to that record with that in mind now. That's really interesting. I love that yeah. record. That's such a great oh, classic record. Me too, you know. Me yeah. too. So you know, and I would talk to him about just like how you know, and he he I think he just saw my just my hunger. I would just bug the guy to death, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm a big as you know, you and I are buddies, and you know, I'm I'm a question asker. You know, absolutely. With, you know, it's like you have Roger Humphrey, so. You know, we were down there when, you know, you took me over to see Roger. I'm asking him, man, so what, you know. <laughs> no, it's great. You could spend all day with that guy. You know? uh, no, absolutely. I could but spend that's, years. <laughs> I know, man, but that's I, that's part of why you're knowledgeable is you ask questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, and know? you learn from the greats, you know. So, Abs- you know. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's uh, yeah, so, you know, so for me, that's kind of what just, it's, you know, and in my age, too, now, you know, my 50s, I'm still hungrier than ever man Mm -hmm. to to for this stuff you know yeah so you know that's why like you know like like meeting roger was such a thrill because you know watch looking at the the drums he played song for my father you know he's got in the corner you know got a beautiful house and just all the just the pictures alone tell the story of his you know yeah it's it's really special to be around those guys and and just sort of just as people, just to talk to them and just to sort of feel their energy because it's it's really special, you know. Um, in in addition to playing with some of those older masters that that are from uh, the upstate New York area, you you also have played with a host of of masters that have come through the Rochester area. And I was wondering if you could talk about some of those experiences and what you got from some of those guys that you worked with over the years certain things that you might 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 think have really contributed to your development as a player. Sure, you know, well, the first guy that comes to mind is is James Moody, you know. I got to play with James Moody. See, Chuck Manjone had this it said he had this little mini festival called Chuck Light Lights Up Upstate in 1994. Oh, wow. So and so I remember he had bands like in all these clubs all over the the upstate New York for a month, like every night, you know? Wow. So he hired me to play with, well, I was playing with the Schneider brothers, Bob and John, yep. my good buddies. And Chris Potter was playing saxophone in the band. So wow. we played like two weeks, you know? And then, uh, so I got to play like, uh, so uh, Moody had heard me with, with those guys. So we played opposite sets, you know? Oh, so okay. He, so he hired me, you know, Chuck and him hired me to play with, with Moody. So, you know, um, so Moody was 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 really uh, amazing because you know I, the first time I remember we played I think or I met him was he was we were playing in Buffalo I think and went to his hotel room and knocked on the door I think with the Schneiders to meet him and he was in his bathrobe and he had his he was practicing and so he goes yeah. And I go, oh, uh, Mr. Moody, I go, my name is, you know, I'm going to be, you know, we're going to be playing with you. He goes, yeah, oh, man, great, great, fellas. He goes, beautiful, fellas. He always says, yeah, fellas, you know, okay, good. <laughs> I got to get back to my practice, and so I'll see you a little later. <laughs> so that lesson right there, he yep. was in his 70s. Yep. I think he was 70 years old or so at the time. And I remember him telling me, I mean, right there, I said, wow, that's like Moody. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing him with, like, Kenny Clark and all you know all those records you know everybody and i'm thinking man he's practicing this you know at that age so you know when you're 20 whatever i was i'm thinking if he's still practicing yeah wow, 
I know. Then that really that really hit me. So then we would have. Uh, I'm trying to try, try to make this shorter here. Uh, um, one thing I'll say is that we had dinner every night when we were playing, you know, okay. together, and so that was a great, great learning experience. Just the conversations because he told me he was like in his left ear, maybe he was half deaf, um, and and so he says, you know, it's it's I like it when you you play because I was I was bashing, you know, he, he want me to you know bash, so I was hitting pretty hard. He goes, I like that way you 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 hit hard. He goes, I need that because I need to feel that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he says, you know, sometimes. But he says, you know, he he just talked about like he didn't say much to me. He just basically was really very nice. But he confided a lot of stuff in me, you know, like about just what he liked, you know. And and it was like, and, and one thing he he did have me play. He had me. I remember we played like some. He played a flute. A bossa nova on flute, and he wanted me to play brushes on it. He goes, and I don't want sweet like sweepy thing. I want you to play the brushes like the cymbal, you know, mm-hmm. brush in the left hand, like you're playing a bossa nova, but just do that. Wow. So I remember, I go, wow, okay, I can try that. I don't think up to that point I ever did that. Yeah. So so that was very helpful because yeah. that that I started to be able to do that. I learned okay, I'm going to learn to do that better. Yeah. So that helped those little things. So it's. Little things like that, just, you know, that really help tremendously in, in the development because it's things, again, takes you out of your box a yeah. little bit. And you start to work on it, start to, your playing starts to expand a little bit. And, you know, one thing, too, I will say about getting to play with a lot of these guys um, was Moody and Benny Golson and a bunch of guys. But, you know, they all, they, the one thing they, they, they did say that meant the world to me was they really liked my beat and my time, they told me. So you ever you're really you're beating your time is so solid, and so coming from those guys because that's what I mainly love to work on you know sure is the time the symbol beat for me, and yeah. you know and living up in upstate New York there was a lot of back in that time everybody just wanted you to crash your brains out you know and they you weren't really playing open you know open up and open you know some of my peers you know and I say no uh man I I I I not I'm not there yet I want to play yeah. I want to learn to play that ride symbol, you know? Yeah, yeah. So those guys kind of secured that I was on the right path, let's uh-huh. put it that way. So I'm not saying it was agreeing with them. I'm saying I was in my – it just made me go forward more in that direction of trying to really get that beat and time together, you know? So Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's so wonderful to get affirmation from those, those masters because it can, it can really mean – the difference between I think a young musician being able to, to sort of take those next steps and them maybe not doing that or going in, in in a direction that's not so good. So that affirmation is beautiful, man. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, what. Forks drum closet, Nashville's full line drum store celebrating its 40th year in business. Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of music city. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. 
You know, I always tell my students because I teach a lot. I said, you know, the most important thing, whether you're playing a, or you know, like a funk thing, or whether you're playing a swing thing, whether you're playing even real open, you, even if it's real open music, there's there's a pulse. If it's if it's open music, but there's a pulse there, Absolutely. you got to be sure that pulse is strong and the spaces are. You got your time together so much that. The, the space won't throw, it's not going to freak anybody out. If you got four guys that got great time, you could do anything. Really, in my totally point, true. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, and when you play with guys like that, then it's just, you can, nobody gets lost. Everybody's in the same page and it's kind of, you move a little like this. It's yes. It's, so if you go in a different direction, it's, I'm not saying not just going in, stay in one box, but I'm just saying if you go in a different direction, it, things come together. But if your time isn't together, your beat isn't again. Feel isn't together, and you try to do that. Totally then, true. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have really uh, walked through my doors, man, with going through master's degrees in college and universities and conservatories. And man, I asked them to play time, and it's they said, "I feel like I can't play a cymbal beat." Wow. And, I, and, I, and I, they play, and I go, "Wow, that's what did you learn in college? What did they do?" You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there was no there. I mean, it was. I mean, I would be a little bit. I, I was a little mad because they spent all that time in college and didn't, and this, you know, they wouldn't get any of that. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, what do you, what's this point of learning all this stuff if you don't have, are you playing to records? You know, are you playing to like those, are you putting on like Miles Davis, like, you know, those re- cooking, relaxing, steaming with, with Joe, with Philly Joe, are you playing to Kluke with Bud Powell? Yeah. You know, are you playing to Papa Joe with the, you know, the, the, the trio on Everest, you know? Yeah. Yep. You know, where you play Sweet Georgia Brown and Absolutely. you play, you know, you, you got to get, you know, this stuff, you know, yeah. it's, that's going to really inform, because I think you have to imitate in order to really be your true, strongest individual self. Absolutely. Absolutely true. And that's I mean, kind of what I tell everybody. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's really, really important advice because that you're, you're right. The only way you find your voice is to first mimic someone else's, you know, and yeah, that it's, it's amazing how, how much, um, you know, education is out there today. Exactly. And, and so often the most important things are left out of that, unfortunately. Now, yeah. you know, as far as teaching goes, I, th- this is something I've actually been wanting to talk to you about. The times we've hung out, we haven't really talked a lot about this, but I wanted to talk to you about teaching and about some of your philosophies about it and, and some of the things that you do with some of your different students, because I'm I'm somewhat new to teaching as far as, you know, really sort of doing it. I've only been doing it for about seven or eight years you know, I've done it a little bit longer with 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 in some other ways, but I, I'm interested to hear your 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 thoughts about it and some of your your teaching philosophies. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is like trying to get people to kind of get their just get a stroke developed first. You know, okay, you know, or if they're playing traditional group that turn. You know, yeah, have getting that turned right, That's right. wrist. That's right. So. <laughs> I work a lot. I, I, every student I have ha- goes through rudiments with me, like uh, every lesson. I don't care if you're like whoever, whatever your level you're at, it's rudiments. And yeah. uh, so I get them to memorize all their rudiments and I get them to uh, try to play them once they can get their this. You know, the real serious ki- students really work hard at it, man. Sure. It's good because you start to see like the development of if they play. This is happening. And yep. and. So 
that's one of the things I work on. Because I always tell them, you know, if you're working, if you're playing the drums like this, you know, like a robot, it's going to yeah. sound like a robot, you know. So you got to have something, you got to be able to move around, be smooth here. And then yep. you can take it, then we can talk about moving around the drums. Even if you take 16 notes and you go, you know. So I talk about trying to move smoothly around the drums. And then, but I, a lot of my stuff is trying to get everybody to read snare drum stuff, you know. Okay. So I get everybody in to, to go through like the, I have, you know, if they have never read before, I love the Roy Burns elementary book. Um, oh, wow. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I and I, I obviously the Wilcoxon books are great once you can get them there. Yeah. Um, and then I have them do work on a lot of just playing along the stuff. Um, and it depends on the students because I teach a lot of younger kids. Sure. It sure. may not really be like jazz at all. Sure. So yeah. I'll just try to. And but they kind of dig some of the, you know, they, they kind of dig John Bond. They did kind of the, 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 you know, the. So it's it's interesting. Young kids, their parents have the influence on them sometimes. <laughs> and then I try to steer them a little bit, a little bit into the jazz thing, you know. So and yeah. you know, and I'm about fifty fifty in getting them over there. But wow, that's um, that's 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 pretty good. Fifty fifty, yeah. that's pretty good in <laughs> yeah. this day and age. <laughs> yeah. So so my really my philosophy is really trying to teach everybody to to play the drums as well as they can play so they can do whatever they want with the instrument. Yeah. If they want to play whatever they want. If they want to play in rock bands and I have a lot of students that play around here in a lot of rock bands and, sure. and some that play in some jazz groups, you know. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's mainly my philosophy. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. I'm I'm curious in in your own practice these days what are some of the things that you that you do um, as far as maybe just maintenance practicing and then more developmental type stuff? What are some of the things that you work on in your your practicing? Well, you know, a lot of it is 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 I really work with the cymbal beat. You know, I, mm -hmm. I still really try to work with. I tape myself. I actually have my iPhone. I every day I tape myself playing time. You know, wow. with my my like. I have my iPhone set up over there. My drums are here. Uh -huh. And so I just take myself playing some time and I'm listening for the clarity and just how the lope of the, you know, I really into a lope and kind of beat and kind of trying to change the beat a little bit, you know, here and there, you know, uh, you know, try to work on varying the cymbal beat and not sounding too angular, you know? Yeah. Uh, and what I'll do is uh, I also then what I do is I go through still go through my Wilcoxon and I still go through all the books and and uh, I work a lot with um, our mutual friend Kenny Washington, you know our our buddy. Uh, you know years ago he taught you know he told me to do and he's and this is kind of how I teach too. This is another thing I try to do have kids do that he told me years ago to do. That made a hundred, made really opened up things. That's why I, I always owe a lot. We I, we both owe. We always talk about our how much we love Kenny. Sure, he's yeah. Helped us and he he cares Absolutely. about us. You know, he's he does. making us things and Absolutely. so. Anyways, but he used to tell me to you know practice Wilcox and, and teach it bar by bar. You know, yeah. And so and he also uh, had me. He also said play all the strokes, like the accented strokes, like at forte or fortissimo and every, all the unaccented notes, as you know, pianissimo, you know? So yeah. I would do, I, so I work on that. I still work on that, you know? Yeah. Like, and I work on it really super slow and I yeah. try to get my students to do that, but 
you know, when I'm not home, I don't know how many of them are. <laughs> when, when, when I'm it's, not around. It's, it's also really hard to play that stuff like that. It's very hard. I mean, it's yeah. almost, I, I'm, this is something you know. I mean, it's harder to play slow than it is to play fast. And, it, and, Absolutely. and, and I think that totally extends to playing that, that kind of rudimental literature because it, it, everything is on display. Your time, right. your sound, everything, your control, it's all, you got to have it all together. So it's, it's, it's a great thing to do, but it's, man, is it challenging? It's really hard, <laughs> man. I'm still working at it. You know? Me too. <laughs> you know, I, Me so, too. Every time I see Wash, I said, man, Kenny, man, man, still, man, still doing modern Flamax. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's you know, right. Or, you know, Flamax and fantasy. <laughs> Flamax and fantasy or man, rolling a rhythm, you know, I, you know, rolling a rhythm. Yeah. Cause you know, I've had a lot of my students I've, I've sent to him a purchase, you know, over yeah. the years. And it's good because, you know, he, he gives those guys, he does a great job and he's such a great teacher. He is. Um, and he does a great job at getting the, these guys to, to listen to the music and to know them. And he's really, you know, he's a no-nonsense guy who I've spent hours, like you, I've spent hours and hours hanging out in cars with that guy. <laughs> I remember the last time he came, he came with Bill Charlap and me, Peter Washington, and him. Well, Peter, uh, it was funny because Bill goes like, uh, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, well, he wanted me to give Penny back uh, a ride back to the hotel. I go, oh, sure, no problem. I go, but I'll see you guys over there. He goes, no, we're going to this party. I go, no, but you know, we'll see you in the parking lot. <laughs> like, so two hours later, they show up and, you know, Peter's got his hat. And he's looking over and he's looking over at us like this. And so he comes in and joins. So it's already two and a half hours of talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. That's so that's, then, that's 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 the fellowship, man. That's that's important. <laughs> yeah. And then Peter got in. And so that was great to, with him and Peter because they're kind of such, they love each other so much and they've shared so much music together and with yeah. the greats. And so they would tell a lot of stories, you know, yeah, you for know sure. about playing with Griff, about playing with Tommy Flanagan and, yeah. you know, so then, you know, talking even with bass, with, with, I, I always love to talk to like bass players, like with, uh, I was so talking with Peter about what he, he liked, how his, he likes his, the, the sound of the bass, you know, what he, what he's into. And, yeah. and it's just great to hear that perspective, you know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, when so it comes, that was helpful. Yeah, no, that's, that's all, man. That's, that's great stuff. When it comes to listening, that's something that you and I talk about all the time. And I wanted to sort of hit on what's a few of the most influential recordings have been for you as a, as a drummer, things, things that have really sort of, you know, made, you know, the difference in your, in your life and your career as a player. Well, I would say the first one is uh Kelly at midnight, uh, Witten Kelly, Paul Chambers. That's probably almost every, a lot of drummers were, you know, sure that, you know, just that's such a Joe. great record. Yeah. It's yeah. like, and Kenny told me that was Philly Joe's favorite record. Yeah, Did apparently that was that? true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and man, that's just, I put on potluck and I, you know, I go through everything and I have, uh, it's great to have been able to have my students learn. They learn that solo from me and, and, and then they go through with Kenny too. So, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it, so they learn, you know, his fours and the salt in the course, but, um, but anyways, that one, uh, one that my, you know, my father used to play uh, the Pepper Adams, Donald Bird from the Half Note with Lex Humphreys a lot. Oh when man, they, yeah, that's a they great record. Yes, and, yes, and man, to Lex, that is so swinging. It's so, I mean, you know, and 
He was see, just, he was such an unsung master, Lex Humphreys. He was oh, so great, man. Oh man, <laughs> yes. So I still listen to that. I mean, obviously, I listen to all those records, but that was I will say really Janine, especially. I got to love that tune as soon as I heard it. My father wow. would keep playing it over and over because he loved Donald Byrd. You know, yeah. He goes, Donald wow. Bird, man. He goes, and so we used to listen to Donald and Pepper, you know. Yeah. Now you get it to where I used to try to memorize all the solos, you know, sure. uh, off those records. So, so, but listening to Lex's beat and how he just, it danced like that. But it was so different. It was different, yet it still, all those guys had the same kind of, as you know, man, this just that cymbal beat just bounced, man. It just, it all had a simple... They had this certain way of vibe of bouncing and swinging, yeah. but it's all swung so hard. And it's hard to even just, you know, some people say, oh, you know, he was the best or he was the best. I don't know if there are, you can say a best, but no, I don't know. No, I don't think there's a best. There's, there's, I, I love them all. You know? Yeah. And at that level, it's just, it's what are you in the mood for today? You know? <laughs> yeah. There you it's go. A, it's, a, it's just a different perspective. You know, one of the one of the things, you know, speaking of of both Philly Joe and Lex Humphreys in, in, in those records, especially uh, Kelly at Midnight, one of the things that that, that record did for me was it, it showed me how how interesting and important the 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 piano drum relationship is. You know, we so often oh, talk about our relationship with the bass player, which is of course important, but with the with the guitar or piano, that's a really important musical relationship, you know. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing is, when we're comping on the snare drum, right? you know, Bill, I remember reading a, an article, an interview with Billy Higgins one time. He was talking about playing like the cordless stuff, you know, he used yeah. to do. And he used to think, he, he says, you know, you know, I think of my left hand on the snare drum as like a pianist comping. Wow. You know, and he said, you know, and the one thing that hit home to me, he says, you know, you got to be careful as a drummer, your left hand that you get, you and the, you're hooking up with the piano player. Because, you know, sometimes piano players, I find some of them, they'll overcomp, you know. They play so much stuff that they, they comp you into a corner where there's no space with the left hand to put your left. So it's all, you know. And I'm sure piano players say the same about drummers. It's not any it's Absolutely. Piano, drummers can overcomp with that snare drum, you know. That's that, then, that's, that's that relationship. That's, that's it. That's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and it seems like it seems like Winton Kelly he had he had good relationships with a bunch of drummers, but, sure but I mean did. Philly Joe that 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 was a wonderful wonderful hookup. And of course, you mentioned Billy Higgins, like him and the great Cedar Walton. It's like those oh, are man. those like are such marriage. incredible. Yeah, there's such incredible relationships. And you you've spent time with a lot of those great drummers like Billy Higgins. We've talked about some of this before, and. You know, I, I, I've, I've been able to do that somewhat myself, but you being a little older than I, you've been able to do it more. And and I was wondering if you could if you could talk a little bit about some of those guys like Billy Higgins or or the one that we talk about a lot, uh, the great uh, Ray Mosca, who a lot of people don't really know about. And I think they should. So, you know, yeah, please they in, in, enlighten us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ray is a, is a guy that he was a family friend uh, to my father's. You got to be real close. Cause you know, there was a few clubs here, obviously in all cities that used to have jazz was, you know, was everywhere. So for, you know, at least in Rochester it was, but so Ray would come up with Monty Alexander and he, uh, and uh, Eugene Wright would play bass, you know, 
So um, they got to be really close friends. Even the senator, Eugene Wright, was used to come to our house all the time. Wow. So so Ray would Ray was is a very, very tough love guy, man. He was yeah. man, there'd be times when uh, you know, you he'd be if he didn't like something, somebody, man, he would it, he'd let you know it, you know. Wow. So I so I remember him just him being at the house when I was a little guy, you know, and um and he would just he was a sweetheart though. That's the one thing. He's a sweet very gracious with his time and he really you know i remember one time i was at his place in uh long island and he he was really um he was very still very very close with roy haynes like roy and him were very in fact roy actually got ray a a, like an a a modern drummer like a a full full full-fledged thing in modern drummer Oh wow! Well, I didn't know that. Maybe maybe fifteen years ago, and he says he 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 says you got to do something on this guy because this guy is like, man, everybody knows he's played with more guys than just he, and Ray really did. He played with, uh, he played with. I mean, the the who's who of he was just the under a little underground, you know. But yep. he like like Hank Jones told my brother Tom. He says you know, he says Ray is probably the drummer I work with the most in my career. Really. That's what he told. Yeah, and I when I I was wow. at Ray's house and I'm seeing like, man, the, this week at Birdland, he used to play some of those Monday nights at Birdland with the piano play was and he played with Sonny Clark. He played with all these and so I'm looking at these. I'm like, oh my god, wow. You know? And then yeah. uh yeah, and so, but to to further this here a little quicker uh, with Ray, what he what he did was you know he would try to get me to pl- just play some. Uh, he had me play an, a, a long role one time. Um, and opened the clothes, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and I was, when I was playing, I, you know, back then I was using a lot more arm this way, you know, and so, and I was playing like, and then I would open it back up like this and he goes, and I remember he goes, okay, man, great. Cause now try using some wrist. Cause that would, <laughs> that would help. He goes, what is this? He go, I go, well, you know, <laughs> I go, great, man, I'm 17 or 18, you know, I'm so trying. Goes, yeah. So he goes, all right. He goes, well, man, let's get that. This, he goes, th- the one thing he did that always stuck with me was he said, think upwards. Cause he studied Papa Joe. He studied with Papa Joe, even that in Henry Adler, you know? Mm. So he said, man, up, up like this upwards. Wow. Upward, out, everything's this way. He goes, don't play into the drum, play out of the drum like this. And he goes, I'm not talking about yanking a sound out of it. That's not, he goes, you just get more sound when right. you play this way. Wow. And when you compress your, when you play with compressed strokes, I think he called it, when you're compressing your strokes and play in so into the drum that, and he goes, that's what Papa Joe used to say, man, everything was like this. Wow. And so, so Ray really was, and if, some of those records you can really, and I mean, I've seen witnessed it, man. I witnessed him playing. I mean, his hands were like, like, you know, he was, he, he had like those hands of like Papa. I mean, he really could play the brushes. Like, yeah. I mean, unbelievably, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, the, so, yeah, I mean, those, those, those records that, that, that he's on, he sounds really magnificent. I would love to see a, a really good video of him playing. Are there any out there that you know of? You know, I'd love I to see it. I you only you know there's one video that that he plays. I, there's nothing that comes to mind from the old days. I wish there was. Yeah. Um, 
But there's there is you know this it's funny there's a video with him playing in the '90s with Whit Marsalis. It's like he he was playing this thing. It wasn't it was like this tribute to Louis Armstrong, the Or Orval Shaw put yeah. together this thing. But they play Cherokee, you know. So they're trading with uh, Witten, you know. So they're trading fours, I think, with Witten with his brushes. And man, it's just like, oh, I gotta like, see yeah. that. That's amazing. Wow. But you see the hands like and I then you know they go to the the to uh get back to the head and I think oh man give it to Ray give it to Ray and so but Witten was really like this the whole time he's looking wow. at him real serious like wow cuz he I'm sure he obviously knew who you know knew who Ray was yeah. Ray is you know so right. but he was but man the brushes were just mm. I mean, he was a master brush player he he was really one of the Yes. One of the guys that that in fact I I know and I think I've told you this Vernell Fournier had said I wish I had the career and I could play the brushes like Ray. Wow, I never knew that. My brother Tom, who was very close to Vernell, man, I I tell people that they don't believe. I go look, my brother spent like hours hundred with Vernell, and they used to play on snare drums together with with. He said, you know, wow. That's how so that's how great Ray Mosca really was. He doesn't play anymore. Um yeah. and he's not in great health, but um yeah. but yeah, he was I learned a lot from him because he always talked about just the, the brushes, how to play the brush certain brush patterns, but mainly it was the strokes. He says, you know, when you play Wilcox and you gotta play everything, think of it open. Don't think of it like everybody closes those drags like yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Wrong, you know. And right. you know, so uh, in Higgins, you know, I, I I got to spend some time with Billy one time uh, in Toronto. I went up for a few nights, and we got to hang out. And, man, I just remember being just – I couldn't believe – I think that's the best drumming I ever heard live. Wow. I mean, it was so – he was playing with Cedar and David Williams. Mm. And, man, that's the first time I ever heard anybody. And I was still – it was in the way – I'm 91 it was. I remember the year. That's right. Mm. 91. And it was the first time I ever heard a drummer play between mallets and sticks and, br- and brushes, you know. I mean, in a, he played firm roots, you know, and he yeah. played this open soul. And I was, me and my friend were there. I was there with a buddy of mine. We were like, oh, my God. And I was sitting literally seven, like, I could touch his ride cymbal. Mm. So I got this, like, drum lesson all night. I mean, it was, he was, he was playing, and he, and, and he could, he had some hands on him, man. He was, people don't realize the hands Billy had. Yeah, he did. And the creativity that was coming out. I mean, it was just, he could play, he would play, he wasn't afraid to go, you know, see, yeah, you know, play like for like through the whole, you know, just keep going with it. And then, then, you know, and so I remember just talking to him about a lot about just, you know, Kluke, you know, who was his man. That was really his man. And he loved yeah. Max too. But, you know, and but he was that night, I remember. He was really obviously Billy Higgins. I mean, he was an innovator, but man, he was really coming out of Philly Joe, hard Philly Joe, like mm. you know, all the the stuff. Language, like, wow. yeah. Like wow, but it sound it sounds just. I mean, it's coming through, it's filtering out of Billy Higgins, you know. Sure. So. Yeah. And man, I just remember going up to him and just talking about records, and he he was really really sat there for like we sat for like a, a while talking because he goes 
he just could, you know, he was kind of surprised that I knew all the, uh, about like all his records and, you know, that two, this two Maryland's dilemma that I love to play. Yeah. You know, I asked him, I go, man, I, we, we, I, we play that two Maryland's dilemma in Rochester. And he goes, really? He goes, I, mean, I wrote that in high school. He goes, I didn't know anybody even knew that tune. So wow, man. You know, he goes, I wrote that. In, he goes, you, I wrote, so you wrote that in high school. Oh my wow. God. You know? So, um, so yeah. it was just great to be able to talk to him about that and about Sonny Clark. Cause I love Sonny. Sure. You know, so much. And he just said, Sonny's death really tore him apart, you know? Wow. So, uh, and he says, man, yeah, boy, you know, and he just talked a lot about, uh, just a lot about you know the symbols, trying to find symbols that fit all keys. You wow! Know, he says it's really hard to find symbols that fit all keys. You know, because wow. you know, he goes, it's hard to find a great symbol. You know, he goes, it's really hard to find and 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 think about them as is you know those everything's a ride symbol like you know you play the hi hat. You know, don't and, and you know I think Bill I think Billy really mainly. Th- the thing I got mainly from him is don't think about the drums as the drums. Like he used to play on phone books at Bradley's, right? That's a famous stories of yeah. him playing on, right? Yeah. With brushes. I don't think he thought, I think he, he could have went on a gig with a floor tom tom. It sounded great. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> it just, I, you know, so he kind of talked a little bit about that, you know, yeah. just about, just don't worry about the drums. So think about the, just play, making it happen. You could have a yeah. floor. Don't think about it as a floor tom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of didn't really tell me that, but he was kind of that's what he was saying, it, you know. And yeah. so he learned a lot about that. And then we talked a lot about the guys like Joe Romano. He loved Joe Romano. You oh know? wow! And he loved Jr. And he wondered what he didn't see. It, uh, he goes, "Oh man, those guys, man, you know, wow." He goes, yeah. "Now those are some those those guys really could." I mean, he was really really loved the you know loved them you know so wow so it was fun to be able to there's a bunch of stuff that i but that's the main thing you know yeah that's beautiful man yeah you know we 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 have a few minutes left and i kind of wanted to end with with talking about you as a band leader because you've made several recordings as a band leader and you have a a brand new one that's out figured be a good chance for you to to talk about that but could you talk a little bit about how you got into making your own records oh yeah well you know, I have, there's a great piano player here named Paul Hoffman, and Paul uh, was really he was made a lot of records before. I mean, just kept putting his stuff out. You know, a lot of solo piano stuff and a lot yeah. of stuff. And he goes, you know, you really need to do your own record. And I go, nah, you know, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. but he goes, no, really. I go, all right, I'll do it. You know, so I did my first one, and uh, and you know, it was I enjoyed the experience so much. You know. Yeah, because, you know, that really brought my hunger level even to another level because I was like thinking, OK, this is, sounds all right. You know, it's OK, you know, but, man, I could do a lot better than that. Yeah. So then I did another one, you know, about three years later, two years, two, yeah, three years later. And I said, that's a little better, you know, so just each one I felt kind of got I myself and the everybody kind of I heard everybody. We were all growing, you know. Sure, so, sure. Uh, which is why you make records, you know, it's, it's so, yeah. so, you know, I'm, I've had about six or seven out and, uh, um, and you know, the last one, the new brand new one that just came out is, uh, it's called the swing is the thing and it's on seller live yep. and it, and it, and it has my, my, a lot of my favorite cats, like Grant Stewart, the tender player, who was really one of my favorite 
musicians of all time, I think. And Joe Magnarelli, who I have a big history with on yeah. trumpet because he's from Syracuse. We've been yeah, speaking of great upstate New York guys, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so Mags is playing in, in uh, a Jed Patton, the great pianist who played with uh, the, the Heath, Heath brothers. brothers for so long. And and I have played with these guys. Uh, I played with Mags and Grant and uh, Neil Miner, the bass player. He's on mm -hmm. a lot of my records, you know. Absolutely. Neil, Neil and I always feel so – he's a guy that he's just – Boy, you talk about like great time, great intonation. He plays great solos, loves just to play with no amp, gets a big sound. He's just like everything. He's like a dream for me, you know. Sure, absolutely. We have really, really such a, a mutual, uh, I want to say a, a great meeting of where the quarter note. Just yes. a good, nice hookup, you know. I you do. You do, so, yeah. So, um when this thing, I, I figure, I, I, with this one, I wanted to include more of the my those guys, my band members' original compositions, you know. Nice. So I, I said, you know, I, you know, I always loved the way Magnarelli wrote tunes, and I've recorded some of them, and Neil, I've always included in there. And then there's a great, I have to mention this too, there is a great tenor player in the UK by the name of Ocean Roberts. There's these guy, this guy, Ocean Roberts is an, he's, I mean, he's a, a serious tenor, but he's not like a, a local, I mean, this guy can really play. And there's wow. also this trumpet player, Steve Fishwick, who's over there, who's, wow. um, I mean, incredible. I mean, they play as good as anybody anywhere. I mean, they, wow, they really man. do. Yeah. So, oh, and I played the, the festival with them, and I've gotten to be really good friends with them. But they, we do a version of Lush Life on that, and that's Ocean's. You know, yeah. he let me record that. It's a and great it's, arrangement. It, yeah. So I tried to. I always try to pick lesser known tunes. Um, sure. And uh, and and I and, and I tunes I know that would fit those guys. And I figured, you know, what better way to to make a nice record because we don't rehearse for it than to pick some of the band leaders because they know their music and these guys all play together a lot. Sure. So they sure. played these tunes. So yeah. And then the the one tune I did bring in was uh, uh, the our man Turrentine. Yes, you know, as Tommy turns, you said it, and in Big Red, Big Red, yeah, and, those are great, man. You know, Thank you for recording those. You know, <laughs> oh, man, you kidding me, man? It's that's. I mean, those are always. I mean, you said it was a tune that really hit me. Uh, yeah, yeah. When I first heard it, but anyways, so I'm really proud of it. I like it. It's been getting a lot of airplay. You know, good Tons man. Of airplay. So, and I've been doing like a lot of things forward i've been having a lot of people call me up like you know and that which i appreciate like you're saying i really appreciate it yeah know? man absolutely and, um you know so that's pretty much you know in a in a in a you know nutshell kind of how i got to be into a uh you know making my own records plus i like having control over the music sure that that, so, that can be a good thing <laughs> you know so it's like i'm not playing tunes i may not love you know so i'm playing everything i do I, 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 I really like the tunes. I love the tunes. And so I yeah. said, yeah, you know, and, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's just good to do, just document yourself on, on recordings and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, this one was, this one was a really good one. So I, I feel it's a good one. So, you know, I think it is too, man. Everybody should go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should get a copy of it for sure. Yeah, please. <laughs>
man, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to uh, to come and, and talk to us, man. It's it's really great to you know to hear your history and your and your your ideas behind what you do, man. It's it's such a pleasure to be your friend, man. I really appreciate it. Oh man, the feeling is mutual, Tom. It's like <laughs> you know how I feel about you and your plan, man. You. To me, you're, you're one of the best out there, man. So. Uh, I appreciate it so much, mm-hmm. man. And that is it for this week's episode. Special thanks to Tom for coming in and doing the interview. Hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please give us a five-star rating. Type us a review in iTunes, Spotify. Hit some comments on the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook. And make sure you're following the drum click. Um, don't want you to miss anything and hit me up at drumcandypodcast at gmail.com with any show suggestions any listener beats i need some listener beats so send them over there you can send me a video or just an mp3 any questions you'd like us to address and then other than that we'll be back next week so have a good one and see you then